folks, welcome to This Podcast is Queer. I'm Adam Pye and I'm here with Ethan Parker. Parker, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I use he, him pronouns. What pronouns do you use? He, him pronouns. Awesome. Uh, today we're talking about the importance of LGBT education, our experiences of LGBT education growing up and just all around that sort of thing in sexual education and relationship education within schools. If you haven't talked to us about your experience in LGBT education, feel free to comment wherever you can or you can reach us at Twitter. Let's start a discussion, people. Yeah, DM us if you don't feel comfortable, like, tweeting at us And we will it. put it out there anonymously so that you can share your stories. Yep. And so... Today, we've also got a new format and we want to discuss, like, the podcast itself a little bit first. So, we've decided that we want to start talking a little bit more about news that's going on at the moment. So, we're going to start pretty much every podcast with a new segment where we just do a quick news flash. We're going to talk about three or four topics that's going on in the news to do with queer stuff. Yeah, centred around queer things and, you know, again, like, if you want to get involved, like, you know, share your experiences and any thoughts you have down below. Yeah, we will put links on stuff so you can find more information on things we discuss. So, yeah, um, links will be in descriptions for you. And we also want to talk a little bit about what we plan for the future of the podcast and if we start getting sponsor- sponsorships, what we want to do with that. So Yeah, uh, hopefully we're going to have a few more collaborations coming up, you know, where we invite more people to talk on our podcast. Uh, we also have a Patreon, if you're interested, where you can donate to, you know, funders and help us buy better equipment and, you know, advance this podcast. Yeah, um, anything really helps. Like, if you can just give us one pound, that yeah. would definitely help. And we want, with that money, we want to um, put 50% back into the podcast, into equipment, so you get better quality sound and stuff. Yeah. And hopefully a camera so we can start doing videos. And eventually we want to start putting 10% into charities. And yeah, we'd really money. like to do some good for our community. Yeah. So, newsflash. What have we got going on in the world at the moment? So, I'd like to start off talking about the um, pawn block that's going on in the UK. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to come into effect like yesterday. Adam didn't have any idea about until Ethan mentioned it because I'm really up to date. But yeah, Ethan, what is the pawn block? So, the pawn block is um, to access pawn, you will need to verify your age. And companies, um, pawn companies that don't comply with this will be fined or blocked. And um, one of the main ways that they want to introduce age verification is using age verification sites, particularly Age ID, which is owned by MindGeek, which also owns Pornhub, Upon, RedTube, and Brazaras. Just... Which are the main like producers of like porn, in, especially in the UK, you know. They're the most visited sites, I'm assuming, which is obviously quite interesting because they will definitely be getting a lot of money for that. Yeah, and it's definitely a conflict of interest there, but will it work? It will not work because VPNs exist. Exactly. And they are legal. 
Exactly. It's really a bunch of really stuffy, uptight, middle-aged people who don't know how Palm works or how the internet works, getting scared and rushing into making legislation. And the reason why they made this legislation was because the NSPCC did a survey, found that a lot of young people stumble across porn on the internet. However, they also released um, some information talking about how young people under the age of 16 seeking out porn is actually healthy. So that's a bit contradictory. So, Ethan, how can this affect queer people? So, as we all know, this will affect queer people because, as we know, a lot of queer people work in the sex industry and that's not a bad thing. And, obviously, it's going to have some kind of implications on that industry. And how individuals can make money from that. Yeah. And also, um, I feel like anything that requires you to verify your age, another way that they've proposed is going to um, being able to buy passes from your local news agents. And a lot of individuals who are trans and gender queer like often have issues with identification providing. Yeah, and also trans guys. I know I've had my IDs checked by managers multiple times because they don't believe I'm actually my age, even though my ID says that. I told somebody that I was 21 the other day and he straight up laughed at me. Yeah, so that's not a great thing. Do you want to talk about that one, Adam? Okay, so the second bit of news we'd like to talk about is how Brunei is introducing a strict new uh, set of the Islamic laws that make anal sex and adultery offences punishable by stoning to death. So essentially, gay sex has been made illegal in Brunei, and that is going to lead to countless unnecessary deaths and individuals being punished for something that is perfectly natural. Um, This is not the first place that it is illegal for gay sex to happen and for consenting male adults and female adults who participate in it uh, will be killed, but it is the latest one. I know in uh, Jamaica it's actually illegal for um, gay gay men to have anal sex. That's just fun one because I was reading an article where someone in power there was saying that gay people are welcome but it's like but it's also illegal for gay sex so (laughs) it's like there are a number of countries where it is punishable and people go to jail or people live their lives but again this is like a new implication and a new like offense against individuals who are queer this one's a bit more positive, or shall we leave positive ones to last? No, we need some more positivity, let's go. Uh, so, uh, Chicago has got its, um, has elected its first uh, openly gay mayor, who is Laurie Lightfoot. So that is awesome. And That's a fantastic name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ending on a sad note, though, a transgender teen has been attacked in a hate crime in Whitham after trans... Well... On, um, was attacked on Trans Day of Visibility by a group of people. Yeah. Which, sad, happens and it shouldn't. Yeah, it's shocking that it is still something that is quite, like, prevalent in this day and age. Yeah. Right, so, back onto Happy Nut. Trans Pride in Leeds, and I believe it was also Trans Pride in Edinburgh or somewhere in Scotland on yep. on Trans Day Visibility. 
So uh, we both went to Trans Pride in Leeds. Yeah, we ended up spending a total of like five minutes together. I think I got like held behind you in the parade because I was having quite a bad day with my legs and my mobility, and so were you, but you ended up like getting stuck in front of me. And how I kept track of Ethan was I'd occasionally look up and see his sign. <laughs> so, um, we both went with two separate groups of people, yeah. so it wasn't like we'd lost each other. I did meet up with Ethan briefly at the beginning of the day. Like, I got there and the first thing I said was, I need to find Ethan. I ended up hobbling over to you and I saw you and your group and I gave him a Pepsi Max before the parade started. And then I went back to my partners. We walked close to you and then, like, when the parade happened, we got uh, separated. March. It wasn't a the parade, march. it was a demonstration. It was a fantastic march and, honestly, it's the first march I've actually been part of for any sort of pride and it was fantastic i've never felt like more connected and more angry and more powerful at the same time i loved it so this um, was the second trans pride in leeds to ever be held i did not go to the first one but i've been to I didn't lgbt go to the first pr- one i couldn't yeah i went to i've been to lgbt pride since i was about 17 so i can give a good comparison there yeah um so LGBT Pride in Leeds is very much a cis white man party. However, Mm. last year, after what happened in London during their parade, it was decided that all the trans groups were going to march at the front together, which was an amazing experience of a lot of trans people yelling whilst a party was going on behind us. Yeah, there was like a party bus behind you (laughs) when you were marching, wasn't it? I thought it was a great response to what happened in London, which is where a bunch of turfs basically forced their way to the front. But yeah, it was a great response and it was a great experience for me and afterwards I got to hang out with my partners and I had a lovely day it was really empowering and I felt really half dead ever since but I managed the whole fucking march I was like really surprised because my legs were really bad so for me I was having a great time I had a great time it was great I'm gonna say great a lot apparently (laughs) (laughs) and I hung out with my friends afterwards at Wharf Chambers, which is a DIY bar that's very queer in yeah. Leeds. And we went to get food later. And it's just very empowering to be surrounded by so many trans people and yeah. such positivity. There was one thing that happened that I don't think, like, we in the match. And yeah. there was a cis guy, like, walking past on the pavement. And he was, like, m- mocking, mimicking, like, our chants. And I didn't see that. But it was kind of hilarious because uh, that he was kind of mocking and mimicking our chants. But um, it's funny. Uh, like, he's kind of being supportive. <laughs> Is he being supportive? Because I can't remember what exactly uh, chant we were doing. But, yeah. like, chants... Um, trans rights to human rights and he was like trans rights to human rights it's like yes yes they they are are. thank you (laughs) oh i had like a really nice experience afterwards like i was sat waiting to call my mum because it was mother's day so i wanted to see if she was all right so i was sat outside this shopping center that my partners were shopping in and this guy on a bike looked at me and went because i had a trans pride flag wrapped around me he went oh is there an event today i went yeah it's trans pride and went oh okay cool and then he hopped on a bike and just drove away it was like that's some nice positivity (laughs) it was just like really wholesome you know I did get home and have to do an education session with my because obviously it was mum's day I went to my parents and my brother was there and we were talking about like saying what it's like and that there was a lot of chance and I was telling them to my parents because they wanted to know and one of I was like chance rights and human rights my brother went well 
don't trans people have human rights? I'm like, well, yes, but they are infringed upon a lot. Yeah, I mean, in some places, if you want to, like, get contraception, uh, not contraception, in some places, if you want to have children, you have to, like, legally be castrated. Yeah. In some places, you have to give up your ability to have your own children in order to be legally recognised as the gender you identify. And so many places only have two genders legally recognised, you know? Our rights are often, our human rights are often infringed upon in order for us to transition and live our lives. But this discussion then led to a discussion about uh, my brother was like, well, um, I was explaining what TERFs are, and my brother was, I explained that a lot of TERFs think that trans women who are lesbians are just pretending to be women to trick like, other lesbians into dating them. Yikes. And my brother turned around and was like, well, that's a stupid um, idea they have. That's a bit of a long way around to get uh, to get in, uh, to get a woman. It's just ridiculous. And yeah, that led on to a discussion about fem- feminism, and we then explained mansplaining to my mum, and my brother felt very uncomfortable, being like, "I don't want to mansplain this." <laughs> uh, so overall, yeah. it was a good day, and it was a good day for education and visibility. I had a great time. I really am glad I went because I almost didn't. Right. So, today's topic, we are discussing LGBT education in schools, and we want to start off with discussing our own experiences, because I think that is one of the best ways to teach people about what it's like. Yeah. Um, Again, if you want to share your own experiences, comment uh, down below, reach out to us on Twitter, you know, however way you can reach out, reach out. We'd love to hear some stories. Yeah, positive and negative anything that yeah. is very useful just spreading the word of what it's actually like for people so do you want to explain why you don't really have any high school um things um, to talk about i don't remember really that much of high school in general because i didn't go for a good portion of high school because i was quite ill i don't really have a whole lot of high school experience and i don't really think my school when i did go offered any lgbt education so yeah i can't really share any experiences from high school so for me in high school um i was open about liking girls and towards the end of high school oh I went to a high school that um, was from year nine to a year 11 as well. So those people who I went to a middle school before that, it's different systems everywhere. But so just, in just one sec, I just stretch so hard that I feel like I'm going to pass out. <laughs> Sad. Um, Sorry, Ethan. <laughs> so... For me in high school, I was openly out as liking girls. I never really used the word lesbian to describe myself because even then I knew that wasn't how I identified. And then towards the end of high school, I was out to a handful of friends as a guy. I don't think I ever used the word trans to describe myself because I was scared of that word at the time. I, I was like, I'd be, I was okay with admitting that I was a guy, but you saying I was trans. transphobic because you were scared of the trans. Yeah, internalised transphobia is a thing. So for me in high school, in year nine, I believe, we had sex education and it was very puberty-focused and I remember gay men being mentioned and it was literally in the context that, oh, the age of consent for gay men is 21, which was not true at the time. So we were given false information and then it was, oh, remember, gay men need to use condoms. Gay women were never mentioned. Bisexuality was never mentioned. And then 
later on, I'm not sure if this was the same year or year 10, um, we had to do the good old putting a condom on a dick thing. And I remember feeling so uncomfortable knowing that like, I probably would at time thought I never would have to do that and it felt wrong and like people were mocking me being like, it just was so uncomfortable and I hated every second of it. We were also taught there's no age of consent for women um, in relationships with women, which I don't think is explicitly, but still not something that you want to be taught. And I remember when we were doing about contraception and uh, protection from STDs and STIs that um, me mentioning, oh, dental dams exist and the teacher straight up being like, what? And me being like, yeah, dental dams for oral sex. And so, yeah, just all around not there. It, there wasn't LGBT education and there was not really mentioning of LGBT relationships. And I know for me, that was very disconcerting and trans people were never mentioned. The only time in high school I ever heard the word trans mentioned was there was a trans person who came to our school for about a week before they left because everyone I knew was like referring to them as it and just all around transphobic and it was not good so that was my high school LGBT education it just wasn't and I know that's a very similar story to what other people have so Adam what was your college education like for LGBT and sexual and relationships education okay so first yeah I ended up uh in a forum class where we were talking about LGBT education and it wasn't a great experience. Uh, there wasn't like a whole lot of correct information being spread, a lot of the terms were misused and I wasn't out at the time but it made me very uncomfortable to the point where one friend was like, I don't know what that term means, I explained what it means and she was like, why? And I was like, oh well I am queer. And that's how I came out to her. And that was one of the first people I came out to at college. Um, it wasn't great. Like, the the teachers just really didn't know what they were talking about. And this led to the actual formation um, by two of my friends of the LGBT group that we had at college. Uh, it went pretty well. We ended up delivering our own education that was a lot more well-informed. And that was around the time I came out. And next year, I ended up leading the LGBT group. And we again delivered classes to individuals on like LGBT education for the next two years until I left college. It was a lot more informative, we were able to answer some questions and we actually had a really Im big impact on individuals in the college. We did it all around the actual college building and the sixth form building and people were genuinely affected and had a great experience because of it. What were some things um, that you delivered on LGBT um, education, like some specifics? Uh, we showed videos where people were answering questions about transgender people and gay people and we were able to answer our own questions, give details of our own experiences, actually talk to people about what our relationships are like and, you know, how 
great it is to like be able to meet other LGBT people and we gained new members from it. We really, I think like one girl ended up crying at one point, you know, we, we really had an impact on people and it was great to see what actual LGBT education delivered by people who know what they're talking about is like and how you know, it can really benefit people because we didn't have that before. We as LGBT people had to educate ourselves, which is something more often than not LGBT people have to do. Yeah, yeah, I really think it did have a good positive effect on people and it can do. Yeah. So when I went, after I finished high school, I went to sixth form for two years. In the sixth form, we had, in our second year of sixth form, we had compulsory um, education on relationships, uh, being concerned uh, what abusive relationships are, all the different kinds of abusive relationships. It was very good, well delivered, and um, my head of sixth form was a gay man, so he obviously influenced it a lot, and LGBT people were mentioned in it, and all the examples were a mixture of straight couples, bisexual people, gay people, male and female, it was great. The only issue I had with it was we were split by gender for these classes. Oh, fun. Because apparently it was fun to see how different um, genders reacted and, like, a lot of things, it was like we answered questions like, is it okay for men to cry? And they compared the results of what the girls' group said and the guys' group said. Surprisingly enough... Um, a lot of them it was like see all the guys actually do think that it's okay for guys to cry and show emotions and so but I usually skipped some of these because I felt very uncomfortable as a trans person in a room full of women and I felt like not only did I feel like I didn't belong I felt like I was invading their space yeah even though I wasn't out to anyone at the sixth form and then when I went to college we had one class on consent and it was very weird. It was well delivered, but it was more strange for me to see the reactions of my class because the demographic of my class was all male apart from once is female and I was the one trans guy. And then it was all white apart from one person. So mm. this demographic, it was strange. And then them learning that like, oh, if the girl's drunk, they can't consent. And then being like, but what if I'm drunk? And it's like, you, neither of you can consent, but I could still get done. It's like, yes. Um, so then, like, learning this and not actually knowing, to me, was scary. Like, not knowing these things about consent. Mm-hmm. And that was part of my sexual education when I was in sixth form. And, yeah, that's... So, overall, trans stuff was never mentioned. Okay, so, clearly, neither of us had great... Um, LGBT education, you have before had... college at least. Yeah, even then, like you should have been the ones having to. No, do it. Like... I really felt like they should have like done more about reaching out to organisations to talk to people because we were just a bunch of sixteen, seventeen year olds ourselves. Yeah, and... and we shouldn't have had to really deliver our own education, but it was clear that we had to educate ourselves from a young age because we didn't really know otherwise. You know, we didn't have, we didn't all really have any LGBT role models before we start a college. I forgot to mention one thing under um in sixth form that happened. We would in this was in philosophy and ethics class, it was in the ethics class part and we were talking about um people like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and people who've been assassinated for fighting for their rights and stuff and I mentioned Harvey Milk. 
and yeah. my teacher looked at me like I was stupid and was like, who's that? And I was like, oh, well, he was the mayor of Castro Street in San Francisco and he was shot. He, uh, he was shot um, fight, um, because he was an openly gay mayor, essentially. And he just kind of looked at me and brushed it off. And it was like, I'm educating you on yeah. these things that you're supposed to be teaching me about. Yeah. Um, and so where did you seek your education? Talking to people online. It was the first time I ever met other queer people. And, like, I talked to them and they really educated me about, like, what it's like being a queer person. And it's a constant education. You know, you find out new things every day about your history and your people's history, you know. And it was clear from the beginning, like, we had to seek out this information ourselves because we didn't know. And that's how we educated other people. And I think it's important that, you know, they get outside sources to weigh in on these conversations because we don't know all the things that we should know. You know, we don't know about, like, the importance of consent and protection for LGBT people. A lot of queer people think they don't need to use protection at all because it's just pregnancy. They don't know about STIs and... You know, that sort of thing's not talked about and that's what leads to, you know, people having unprotected sex. And we will get more onto that soon. Um, for me, I seeked out my education. I watched a lot of queer movies. I used to sit in my room with my headphones on, the volume as quiet as possible, almost like I was watching porn and I did not want to get caught. Yeah, I remember sitting watching YouTube videos with my uh, mouse over the exit button. Yeah. And I, um, there was back in the day. There was this YouTube channel called Lesbian TV, and uh, I used to watch that. And they did like um, a video on um, sex education for queer women, and that's what taught me about stuff like dental dams. And I seeked out stuff like that. And Tumblr, Tumblr yeah. was like a godsend when I was a young teen. It was like. Teach me all the queer information, please. It's where I learned about trans stuff, non-binary stuff. Yeah, I didn't know about anything to do with non-binary stuff until I was on Tumblr. And to, like, the thing is, like, we talk about it now and it's almost a shared experience, but when you're first seeking that sort of stuff out, you can't help but feel a little bit alone in that because you're, you know, education's supposed to be a journey you take with other people, but when you're seeking out the information on your own, you're bound to feel isolated, you're bound to feel like you're the only person who's looking in your area, you know? You it's feel alone. Not just that, it's like, I used to clear my internet history after it because I was so scared of someone finding yeah, out. Yeah, and it's almost a sense of shame, and people should not feel shamed for, like, owning their sexuality and wanting to know about these things. It's a beautiful thing. It's a coming-of-age thing. It's a new part of your life, and it's exciting, and you shouldn't have to do that in secret, feeling like you want wrong move away from being caught and being ashamed. And it's... It teaches us that there's something wrong with it. It's where internalised homophobia and transphobia come from, I yeah. think. It's this, you're not teaching me about it, so it must be wrong, and therefore I feel wrong. I struggled with a lot of shame when yeah. I was this age, like when I was a teenager looking for these things because I thought there was something different and wrong about me. But, you know, when you talk about it, we have so many of the same, like, memories. Yeah. So... At the end of all this shitty um, educational experiences we had, there is a light for the young people now. The young queers, the baby queers. The baby queers. The eggs foraging in the forest, ready to hatch into chicks. 
and that is that the relationship and sexu- sexual education proposals that are supposed to come into um, into start in September of 2020 include um, LGBT relationships and sexual education from high school on, and also schools can begin with these starting next September if they choose to. Yeah. Uh, and so the proposals involve all primary schools in England are required to teach um, relationship education and all secondary schools um, have to teach a relationship and sex, sex education. So it'll be compulsory for all schools because at the moment we'll get later on statistics. It's not compulsory and a lot of schools don't teach these things. Um, so these new guidelines include, like I said, LGBT education from secondary school onwards. Unfortunately, pe- parents will still have the right to withdraw the, um, sh- the children from sex education up until um, they turn, I think it's 14, at which point that child would have the right, which is a new thing, to um, to opt into the sex- sexual education if they choose to. I think this is like a great step forward because it means that children aren't just learning possibly about LGBT people, they're also learning about different types of relationships, you know, that will open up like new discussions and new ideas and new areas of like like topics like for individuals who are going through certain things which could be really beneficial towards people forming healthier relationships in the future yeah it also includes teaching about lgbt families and different types of family which is amazing because not only with here discussing as um queer people growing up in education but there's a lot of children out there who have queer parents and they don't get taught about that and they're very excluded in that sort of realm of things. Yeah, like I knew people in my high school who had same-sex parents. Yeah, and um, it will be flexible though, so that does mean that like schools do get the choice of like what sort of things they teach, which does leave a bit of questioning there. Yeah, so there'll be like probably a dichotomy between schools who have fantastic LGBT education and not so great education, unfortunately. Yeah, and um, first schools, you never know with them, but they will still be required to give the education. You just don't know exactly how well and what kind. It could be from people who don't know anything and may give the wrong impression or negative education. Yeah, negative education is definitely a thing to be worried about there. And we will, um, in the description, have links to this. So um, what I'm looking from at the moment is from the Parliament website, but there's also stuff from Stonewall about it that I will link to. And, yeah, so Stonewall have written that at secondary school level, all all schools in England, I'm pretty sure this only counts to England, and I know the DUP did vote against it. Sad. Yeah, but the DUP. The DUP. Um, I'm pretty sure they Just... believe that dinosaurs didn't exist. So. And, yeah, so in, um, all schools in England will be required to teach about sexual orientation and gender identity, which, I mean, yes, finally. It's great that we're finally getting recognised. I mean, statistically, LGBT education is something that is necessary and has shown to be very beneficial, and we have, like, lots of statistics here to talk about, don't we, Ethan? Yeah, so 
You've got some information from Stonewall, if you know, talk yeah. about that. One in six LGBT young people who have been taught about healthy same-sex educations and relationships do report that they've benefited from it, and many teachers are still in a position where they aren't sure whether they should be allowed to and whether they are allowed to talk about LGBT issues in the classroom. So we've got teachers who are scared to really mention certain things because they're not sure if they're legally allowed to do so. Which goes back to what we discussed in the episode on LGBT history that's because of section 28 a lot of people still don't realise that that doesn't exist anymore and that they can talk about LGBT relationships and sexual so there are teachers out there who may not be sure that they're allowed to talk about it but legally they are allowed to talk about LGBT things but they might still be scared and think well I don't know if this is going to cause me problems so I'm just not going to say things yeah and um, in schools where LGBT educations are covered, the LGBT young people at those schools um, are reported to feel more welcomed and accepted. And that's because you're not only just teaching them about themselves, you're teaching people around them that people who are LGBT aren't weird and aren't... They're just normal students yeah. who, you know, when people are educated, it just shows education is empowering to people and, you know, it can do a whole lot of good for people who otherwise may feel excluded from school and friends and social issues. So, as I talked about when I was talking about my experience in high school, um, a lot the only mentioning of LGBT stuff was always to do with gay men. And I've got a lot of information here about um, um, queer women and queer girls growing up. And so this is from Team Vogue and a, a journal in, um, from, from an article in the Journal of Pediatric and Adolescent Gynecology. And basically what they found is that girls who engage in same-sex activity were also found to be at high risk of suicidal... Suicidal ideation. Yeah, that. <laughs> and intimate partner violence, substance abuse, pregnancy, and STIs, and... That's because a lot of, like, individuals don't believe that they need to use protection for certain things, and a lot of contraception is not talked about in education, sex education. Like, we only learned about condoms from what I hear. Uh, that from what I remember in high school and sometimes again in college which doesn't protect against everything and you know certain contraception doesn't protect against everything but when you're not taught about any contraception or little contraception most people don't know to use it yeah and also this is something that a lot of people don't realize that lesbian and bisexual girls have a higher risk of teen pregnancy and we we're both discussing this beforehand and we both know a lot of queer women, queer people our age who are female who have kids and a lot of like my past dating when I was younger and I was, before I was out as trans, um, I know that a lot of girls I dated who were lesbians really wanted to get pregnant and used to sleep with guys just to try to get pregnant. Yeah. And that is something that needs to be discussed more. Like why is a good thing we need to find out more about? Yeah. I think it's that idea of trying to fit in. And unconditional love. A yeah. lot of individuals who are LGBT often have issues with mental health for various reasons. Yeah. And, um, and individuals with mental health problems are at high risk of sex abuse and uh, falling pregnant. So as so well, in this, um, in this article that I was talking about, 
uh, okay, of 1,600 females in, in public schools, this is American, by the way, um, who were surveyed, almost half of them had engaged in um, same-sex um, same experiences, and one in, one in four girls um, classified themselves as women-seeking women, which is twice as high as what has been reported in the past. A lot of young women are now becoming more open and sexually liberated, meaning that they're more likely to be open about same-sex partnerships and seeking other women. Yeah, and twice as many females who identify as LGBTQ reported being sexually active in comparison to their heterosexual identifying classmates. So again, this shows there is a strong need for LGBT education because these young women are not being taught anything formally about, like, safe sex and, you know, the risks that they have. Yeah, it's a smaller risk than if they were engaging with men. However, it's still quite a high risk and, you know, a lot of these people are still at risk of STIs. I never remember... Like, I remember seeking out contraception and protection when I was in a relationship with somebody else who also had a vagina and it was quite difficult compared to condoms. You know, they were being passed out all the time as compared to, you know, dental gums. Yeah. And like you were saying, LGBT women, especially bisexual women from one um from one article I read, are more likely to be in abusive relationships and it's when you're a queer person, especially when you're young and you get into a relationship, you feel like you're never going to find another person to date because you feel yeah, like you've... Yeah, it's intense. You feel like you're the only person there and then suddenly yeah. you've met somebody else who's had similar experiences and it sometimes feels like they're the only person in the world that matters. Yeah, and so you find yourselves in these... Really intense relationships. Yeah. and I know for me, like, I dated someone because... Uh, when I was younger because I literally agreed to date with them because I was like, oh, they're another queer female. I- I'd never... What other options do I have? <laughs> it's... Yeah. It can be quite intense. And at the end of the day, you know, it's not just about learning about sexual relationships. It's about learning about different romantic relationships and being able to set your own boundaries. And that's something that's quite important to teach these young people. Yeah. So I also have some statistics. Um, I'm pretty sure these were um, surveys run by the government. I'm not sure though, so I will put a link to it all. And basically, it's about se- sexual and, re- and sex and relationship education in schools and the satisfaction rates of it and how it is. And basically, in England, it's only compulsory in secondary schools and only about 40% of... Um, secondary schools maintain um, sexual and relationship education so that's less than half of young people in schools getting educated on anything that's not even just queer based and then also 99% of young people who responded to this survey um, said that they wanted um, age-appropriate sex and relationship education in schools. So this is things that young people are actually asking for, they're wanting the information and they're wanting it done in a proper way because they recognise that there's that gap. Yeah, so it's not us looking back and forth, um, it's about our past being like, oh, we needed this. It's young people now saying, we need this. And... So also, 
Um, half of the respondents um, said that their school was either poor or terrible um, it, um, when giving this um, education. And only 2% were rated as excellent and 10% as good. As well as that, those who responded to the qual- um, saying that the quality of their sexual education has been poor, that they were more likely to be um, trans. Those who rated fair and better were more likely to be cisgender. Which shows the difference between education received between trans and cisgender individuals. You know, there's clearly a huge gap there. Only 5% of young people were t- um, reported being taught about LGBT sex and relationships. 5%. That is a tiny percentage of the individuals in our education system. 97% of all of the people who responded, not just the LGBT young people, said um, that sexual education should be LGBT inclusive. So that is only 3% of young people being like, I don't want it, like out of every demographic. So it's not just LGBT young people who want to learn about LGBT relationships. 91% I'm sure there are individuals who may be questioning who would be as well benefit from it and and 91% for um, for um, for trans awareness should be taught in schools so again not just trans people are asking for this it's people who want information who aren't going to receive it because their education is just not out there yeah and trans stuff should be taught because you could be not trans and date a trans person. You could have a family member who's trans and, you know, you might not feel comfortable asking them certain questions that would have been answered in school. You might have a child one day who's trans. There are a lot of reasons why trans education is so vital and important to our everyday lives. It could save lives, you know. Individuals need to know the, that they aren't alone. The most worrying statistic in this um, article that I found was 75% of young people had not learned about consent. That's ridiculous. So we're not ending it on a great note today. I've got something great to say. Okay, go ahead. Despite all this, me and Adam have plans to do, a hopefully in summertime, a four-part series on um, sexual education covering every identity as we can. So Um, so for for trans people, for cis people, for cis-het people, because... Clearly, they're not getting the education they need either. So we've just given you a bunch of reasons why you should tune into that and check it out. Yeah, and follow us to find out when that's happening. And we're hopefully doing videos for it as well so we can give more information. While you get to see our lovely faces. Oh, yeah, our great faces. Hopefully, I'll have more facial hair by then. I'll probably shave by then, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Thanks for listening, folks. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our Twitter. Share us with people if you can. Yeah, we're on Twitter at uh, podcasts underscore is. Yeah, and you can find us on Patreon. That'll be linked in the description. And we have set up a Facebook page now if you want to find that. There's nothing on it, but you can find it. We will get to posting things on there soon. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye. Bye like my sexuality.